and the brave new world begins. When all men are paid for existing, and no man must pay for his sins, as surely as water will wet us, as surely as fire will burn, the gods of the copybook headings with terror and slaughter return. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Copybook Headings podcast. Um, if you're joining us for the very first time, this show is inspired by the poem by Rudyard Kipling called The Gods of the Copybook Headings. Every, ta- every week we take an old saying, proverb, or maxim, and we break it down to see what we can learn from it and see if there's still any ancient wisdom that's relevant today. I am your host, Patrick Payne, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Stevens. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good, man. And in addition to Andrew, we also have a special guest. Uh, my mom's joining us today, K- Kathy Payne. Uh, Kat, mom, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Did you forget my name? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you, Kathy? <laughs> I'm doing fine. Um, so we got a good one today, and I thought uh, Kathy would be a good person to have on. Um, uh, so the, the proverb that we had today is, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Um, so before we jump in too much. Uh, I don't know, Andrew, were you able to find anything on this one? Yeah, I found, I found a little article that, that talks about this one a bit. I can kind of run down the history as, as this guy found. So, um, I mean, first off, I guess this, you know, goes back in some way or another to the third century BC in Greek, but unfortunately I don't have a, a reference to that, but as far as in the English language, um, the earliest one is 1588, an uh, English dramatist named uh, John Lilly or Lily. I'm not sure, but uh, his his uh, version of this is as near is fancy to beauty as the prick to the rose, as the stalk to the rind, as the earth to the root. Hmm. So, fan- saying that fancy and beauty um, are, are are close, and then Shakespeare, you know, has, has something. Beauty is bought by judgment of the eye. Mm. Um, that's from Love's Labor's Lost. Okay. And um, when it comes to this this version, it's widely attributed to um, Margaret Wolf Hungerford, uh, who wrote many books, often under the pseudonym of the Duchess, which is pretty great, great pseudonym. Um, 1878 is, is when she wrote beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So that's a kind of a a long history of, of this one. It's been around and through, um, shared by very famous writers and yeah, this is, this one really holds up. Yeah, for sure. I think it is Lily. I think we've, we've, uh, had one of his quotes on before and now that that I'm thinking about it, it sounds familiar. So yeah, that, that's uh, that's uh, awesome. So I uh, we'll we'll introduce our our guest here now that we've go- gone through the 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 proverb today. Um, uh, Kathy, you you want to you want to yeah. tell us a little, you want to tell us a little bit about um, maybe okay. So you began uh, you were you've been interested in architecture for a long time, right? Right, right, have. And yep. that has led you to kind of an interesting, interesting side hobby, right? Yeah, it definitely has. Tell us a little bit about it. Okay. So first of all, I have a little disclaimer. Um, 
architecture is kind of my bag, but I'm not an architect and I really don't, everything has been self-learned. So take that with a grain of salt. But um, when I was a kid, we moved to Los Angeles when I was young and every weekend my parents would take us out to model homes because we had to figure out what area of the city we were going to live in. And I was very interested in, in the different architectural styles. Of course, most of the subdivisions were just plain vanilla homes. But as we drove to these places, we would drive through Pasadena and Palos Verdes and Beverly Hills and all these gorgeous homes really intrigued me. I was very interested. In so that's kind of where I started with my love of architecture. Um, when I retired, I thought, I don't even have a dang hobby. So one of my kids, and I don't know if it was you, Patrick, or your older sister, said, well, why don't you start an Instagram account with ar about architecture? I thought, well, I don't know a darn thing about architecture, but <laughs> I, I did do that and now have a few followers anyway. So it's been fun. I've been doing it for a few years now. Um, well, give us a plug of the Instagram. What's the what's the Instagram okay. handle so people can go follow you? It's, it's digs and dwellings with the little underscores between each word. So digs underscore and underscore dwellings. So okay. anyway, that's me. And I do have a hashtag dwelling of faith. I um, mostly do residences, residential architecture, mostly post that. But on occasion, about once a week, I'll post a church or a dwelling of faith, as I call it, um, because there's fabulous architecture in, in churches. So that's you, my background. And you do one of these churches of various denominations, uh, any oh, kind? Absolutely. Nope, any kind. Absolutely any kind. There's beautiful architecture throughout the world in churches. You know, it's really funny. The Brazilian churches, they're all brightly colored. So I kind of, I, I lean towards a lot of Brazilian churches because you'll find one that's like tangerine orange or, you know, mm. day, day glow green or something, you know. Anyway, they're really neat churches there. But um, yeah, I will post a church from any con any denomination. Okay, I'm curious to get your opinion on this proverb. Uh, beauty is in the eye of the, the beholder because um, architecture is so closely tied to beauty. I mean, architecture can be very kind of Spartan and utilitarian, but that's not really what you're into, is it? I mean, that's not what what gets people drawn to architecture is the beauty right. of it. And 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 so I, I was wondering kind of what 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 do you make of this of this proverb? Well, it's really interesting. Um, they, they've had a lot of studies done with regard to architecture and um, the way people react in different architectural environments. So the studies show that people are more productive, they are more relaxed, they're more happy, and they're more engaged when they're in an area of, of beautiful architecture and beautiful surroundings. So Beauty, although everyone has different preferences with regard to architectural style, it's those attractive ones, not necessarily the, they might be pretty modern and, and be cool um, designs, but they're not engaging. And um, studies have shown that people perform better in when they work and live around beautiful architecture. Hmm. Interesting. It is interesting. Um, there's a, uh, there's a quote, a quote here from a guy in Princeton said, uh, beautifully designed spaces support psychological and emotional wellness and foster collective community engagement. So basically people would rather hang out in a beautiful environment mm -hmm. than in a non-beautiful environment. So it kind sure. of, engage, yeah, people engage more when they're in and around beautiful buildings. 
Yeah, I think so. And and uh, I, that may have been a lot of the draw for people to go into universities uh, because oftentimes these universities are have these old cool buildings and and uh, you know maybe that's part of the idea to foster learning. Um, with this with this proverb, I think the idea behind it is, is trying to tell us that, you know, one person's beauty may be somebody may not be somebody else's cup of tea. Absolutely. And while I do agree with that to a degree, I think there's some, some universal principles that apply across the board and pretty much everyone would agree that something is beautiful in, in certain, in certain contexts. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because that, that was my thought too. I was thinking, well, I, I think there are not just within you know our culture, but I think kind of more broadly in a human sense, there are principles, uh, you know, of of design to say or of art that are kind of universally regarded as beautiful. Like you know, symmetry comes to mind as something that that pe- appeals to people, both you know, in in beauty in a person or in you know, a building or, or other, other design. So yeah, so that, that, that was my thought as well. What, what about you, Kathy? Well, it was kind of funny that you said that because talking about drawing people to, uh, to different, because of the beauty of the building, mm-hmm. um, apparently in the 17th century, the Catholics, <clears throat> Catholic church in, in Italy, you know, they were starting to lose some people to Protestantism. And so the, the style, the, architectural style called the Baroque style was created to be so awe-inspiring that it would draw people back into the Catholic church, which mm. I thought was pretty interesting. I thought, well, let's see, how can we do it? Oh, we'll make it prettier, you know? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something to that though, right? Like uh, in those, going in those, um, those churches and, and cathedrals in, in Italy in particular are really magnificent and literally, you know, awe-inspiring when you go into these big spaces and, and the amount of, of care and, and attention that goes into creating them. Well, they put a lot of money into drawing these people back and, you know, I thought that was pretty humorous. It's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you say their, their goal is to bring in these, the, the converts back into the church or or what have you, but, um, and that makes sense. But it seems like the most, oftentimes the most beautiful of these buildings are, as you you call them, dwellings of faith. And while maybe a business might have the same motivation to draw in customers, you don't see it as often. You just don't see them investing the time and the money and the resources to make a beautiful building. They usually slap up a you know uh, a modular building as fast as they can, and they get their store open. Yeah. And so they, while they have the same motivation as the church did to bring people in, it seems almost like when there's some faith involved and when there's some, some worship of a higher power, that's when people tend to put the effort in at least, uh, um, that's what it seems to me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, think of any church, it's usually a finer building than your average school, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it tends to be, but it's. I mean, everything, especially in the United States, everything is efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. So, you know, everyone's looking for the bottom line. They're looking for the quickest way to slap something up that will get the job done. And, and you know, there is always a, a bottom line to look at. But when you think of Europe, they'll take these buildings that are 500 years old and they'll just keep repurposing them. 
you know, and it's just, you know, there's that, you have a feeling of, of community when you, when that's done, I think. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've, I've lamented the fact that all the buildings are ugly now many times, Uh, (laughs) but at the same time, I, I mean, I get the, the, the economics of it and it's kind of a catch 22 sometimes because, you know, I live in a kind of a standard tracked home type of, you know, my house isn't ugly, but it's nothing special. Would I, would I prefer to live in some, you know, Victorian era, you know, uh, style? Sure. But, you know, finances kind of prohibit it. So I, I wonder if there's anything to be, I mean, is there anything to be done about this? Well, I will say this. You've got some builder in Pocatello, Idaho, that's building the, the cutest little Tudor revivals. And I, I someday I'm going to meet that guy and pat him on the back because <laughs> you would not expect that in that area. And they're just, they're just adorable little homes. And I think we're starting to break away from that standardization just a little bit. Some of the new builders, they're getting a little bit of style back. And I hope that continues. But again, the bottom line is always going to be efficiency and, um, you know, what are the costs? Yeah. And and when we bought our house, it was, there just wasn't a lot of options for that. Like you said, there may be some little builders building some small stuff now, but there just wasn't a lot. Hopefully that trend continues because honestly, if I had to, if I had the option to have the house I have now or a house that maybe had a few hundred square foot less, but it was a little bit more ornate and a little bit more beautiful in its design, I'd probably choose the, the, the more beautiful home. Right. Right. Well, I am with you on that. I really am. Um, unfortunately for my hobby, Living in Phoenix, Arizona, is a, it's probably next to Las Vegas in the worst place in the world to live for architecture because you know, <laughs> the newer cities do not have the architectural yeah. history that, for example, you know, Denver might have or Chicago or Salt Lake or, you know, other places like that. We, it just ain't here, folks, you know, so it's kind of sad. I have to I have to leave my town to go find some pretty stuff. But um, hopefully, I mean, I. The studies show that people work better in those environments. It's just, do the builders and whoever's shelling out the money want to, um, you know, follow that, that recommendation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit, um, going back to kind of the proverb about how beauty is in the eye of the beholder, we've kind of seemed like we all agree that there are some universal principles that draw everybody to it, but there are a number of architectural styles and a lot of people kind of tend to have their preference. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the different architectural styles and maybe talk about some of your favorites? Sure. Of course. Um, well, I always told myself if I ended up living in the Midwest, I'd have to have, um, you know, a Queen Anne Victorian, which is beautiful homes. You know, those are the ones you see in San Francisco a lot, you know, with the towers and the turrets and the, you know, mm-hmm. But having something like that in the in the Southwest would look ridiculous, frankly. So you know, then it's like the Spanish colonial or the more the Mediterranean style, which is what I have now, and I really love it. But um, yeah, there's uh, Italianates, which are beautiful homes. They're the ones that are usually have a flatter roof, but they're they kind of resemble Victorians in a way because they have some decorative um, elements to them. Um, there's Second Empire French, which is the ones where they're the ones that the, the roof, that the the top story, it looks like it's a roof mm-hmm. and the 
You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Funny, they did that. You know why they did that? It was for tax, it was from tax reasons. It was for tax purposes. Yeah, the French government was taxing them for each floor they had. So yeah. they just made it look like a roof and made it a floor. So that's, <laughs> that's kind, of, kind of interesting. Form following function there. It seems form like follows function. Yeah, we could have said that too. Um, Tudor Revival, which is a really beautiful style. Um, then there's the colonial. A lot of our modern days tract homes are colonial style. And a lot of them are out. The ranch style too, the ones from like the 60s and the 70s ranch style. Um, there's what I mentioned, the Gothic architecture. A lot of, in fact, frankly, most churches that you see that are were built in the 1800s have a little Gothic um, design in them or a little um, influence. There's the Baroque, that, which is that really heavily decorated churches, the ones that the Catholic Church were um, drawing back the Protestants with. Um Santa Fe, which is like a Pueblo revival, just kind of looks like they threw up the stucco and put the big beams in, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't know, mid-century modern. A lot of your generation likes mid-century modern. It reminds mm-hmm. me of my childhood, and I don't like it at all. But <laughs> you know, what are some of the what are some of the features of mid-century modern? Like very sleek, and, you know, low roofs, a very sleek, very um, simple furniture. Um, Everything's low and um, just kind of the colors are, that's where you'd get the greens and the oranges and the, you know. Is it like an Ikea style? Kind of, kind of. Um, Ikea does have some of that. They're kind of, uh, those Swedish people are kind of leaning towards that. But it's more, um, if you just go watch I Love Lucy. There you go. That's kind of what it is, you know. Okay. Yeah, that's my my grandparents had a had a classic, you know, mid century modern house. So that's that's a this nostalgia for, for my generation. I think yeah. another another style that's really um, real innovative and and kind of started the modern style was the prairie style, which was a Frank Lloyd Wright um, invention, I guess you want to call it his his design, um, and it's where. It, it kind of include. It tries to encompass nature in the mm-hmm. in the style. Um, it fuses kind of um, integration of the interior and the exterior. A lot of natural woods, a lot of windows, a lot of um, really high ceilings. Um, you see a lot of that um, in his architecture. Okay, interesting. What what do you what, what do you make? What do you think of uh, art Art Deco? I know that's kind of a polarizing one. It's because uh, it was like. It's one of the ones that was very modern at the time, and now it's not anymore, and it's kind of its own classic style. So what do you think of that one? I, I love Art Deco. I think it's super cool. I really do. Uh, it, it may have been modern in the time, of course, but now it's just kind of, um, it's just endearing now, I think. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love Art Deco. I think it's a super interesting one. Yeah. yeah so, okay, so which ones are your favorites if you had to list two or three? Oh, gosh. Um, well, of course, I love the Mediterranean because, you know, and, and that fuses some um, Islamic um, uh, design elements in it too, because if you think about Spain, where Spain's located, you know, had a lot of the Moorish influence. So there's, which is the tiles and the geometric shapes. I I really love that. Arches. Um, Arches, a lot of arches. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the Gothic. Tudor Revival is really cute. I think, you know, I mean, it can be magnificent too, but I think of the smaller homes. Queen Anne Victoria, of course, is just, stunning. So, you know, it's kind of hard to pick out something when there's so many beautiful ones. I'll tell you, I don't like 
modern very much. I'm not really crazy about Pueblo. It's kind of looks like somebody's got a, you know, donkey out in the barn or something. It just, I don't know, doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. But, um, but they, most of the others just have beautiful, beautiful um, homes or churches that are within those styles. So it's hard to say. It's hard to say what my favorite is. I'm going to have to look up some of these when you're done here. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I didn't even bring up like Craftsman and Cape Cod. Craftsman's interesting because Victorian had been the thing, you know, early and late 1800s, early 1900s. And it was very ornate and very, the homes were full of stuff and, and you'd put everything on display. And, and the Craftsman came in. It's like, yeah, we're done with that. Clean lines, very simple, very almost utilitarian, except for that it, it was endearing, you know. Mm-hmm. So the changes from those two styles w- were quite was quite drastic in a short period of time. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a big uh, big craftsman fan. Yeah. That style. So I've got I've got dibs on my dad's uh, you know craftsman furniture. So. Yeah. They're, <laughs> my, they're- my sisters don't want it. <laughs> But that's too, you know, it's, it's gorgeous. And usually everything is very, very sturdy, you know, just, mm-hmm. every, you know, it's like, you're not, yeah. you're not. Gonna Lots of oak and yeah. yeah these aren't going to break that. Yeah. It actually went from oak was considered back in the Victorian day as the poor man's wood, you know, mm. it was more mahogany and cherry. And then when craftsman became more popular, it was a lot of oak. Mm. That's interesting. So my, my question with, with all these styles you know, you like several of them that are pretty, pretty different. You know, do you think there are certain elements or, you know, aspects of beauty within them that you think are, you know, that tie them together or that are kind of universal? You mentioned with, with the churches you like in Brazil, like all the, the color in particular, the, the vibrancy there. Like what, what do you think is, because um, I don't know, I suspect we all think that there's some kind of universal aspect to, to the, to beauty like what do you think what do you identify there well my instagram page says that you know i'm the pseudo architect and it's design detail and color is what i always Mm -hmm. look for you know um something can be very attractive not maybe perhaps not have a real uh, ornate design but it has beautiful color or it can be uh, you know just a, a a more neutral color, maybe the designs, the architectural designs, not particularly um, ornate, but that will have one little feature that just jumps out at you. You know, I mean, I think each one of those things can make a building or a church or, you know, just a home stunning. And the combination of the three kind of reminds me of like Queen Anne Victorians, you know, they're beautiful colors. They have wonderful features, the design, the architectural design is beautiful. So, I mean, there's some that include all of them, but all homes can be pleasing when one of those elements is, is contained in the mm-hmm. home. All right. That's, that's interesting. And I have a question about your, your Instagram. Um, you've gained, you know, a number of followers over the years doing this. And it seems to be kind of there's there's a there's a, a desire for it. People want to see this kind of stuff, obviously, because there's a lot of people reach, you know following and, and liking it. Um, have you noticed any trends of the pictures that you post? Are there certain ones that tend to do better? And just it seems like everybody across 
across different backgrounds seems to like a certain type? And have you been able to notify or identify any of those? Yeah. First of all, and it might just be the the people that tend to follow these these um, posts. It's it's the vintage homes that you know you can get a very beautiful home that's a new build, and people are kind of going, eh, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closer they are to the vintage look, the more people like them. So um, people tend to to um, gravitate to the the vintage homes. And again, that's a problem for me because I live in Phoenix. It's like shh, our vintage homes are 1950. You know, the best mm-hmm. we can do here. Um, but a lot of um, Queen Anne Victoria, as I said, a lot of people love craftsmen. And it's funny, it's not always these big, um, fantastic homes that people uh, tend to gravitate towards. It could be a Victorian, it's like a Victorian cottage, but it's Mm. just, you know, it's got all these wonderful little features. So people really love it. Or a craftsman, which is pretty plain vanilla in a lot of ways, but it just has these clean lines and and, um, they have a certain palette of colors that you use with craftsmen, usually the greens and the browns. and, And it's just... I don't know, kind of looks like a cozy grandma's house, like you were saying, mm-hmm. just, just kind of cozy looking. So a yeah. lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of craftsmen and Victorians are, are, are popular. It, uh, it may be that, uh, oftentimes those smaller ones or the cottages are popular often because they seem kind of approachable too. Like people could be like, Oh, I could have a house like that someday. Or if you look at some gorgeous, you know, mansion or church or, or, or some sort of building, it's just, it's beautiful, but it's out of reach to people. If they see a little cottage that's cute, it's like, man, I could have something like that or make my house look like that someday. Well, I tell you, if I had a gazillion dollars, I would buy up some land and just make the whole neighborhood these cute little houses because I think they would smell <laughs> like hotcakes. Yeah, Patrick, that's, uh, I, I think I relate to what you just said because I think that's why I like the craftsman style myself because it's, it's a lot of, you know, warm, cozy wood, Whereas like really, if, if I could have like the big mahogany mansion, yeah, because that's like got the same feel, but this is like on the, on the everyman scale, which is the craftsman yeah. style. And yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Again, uh, oh, I'm interrupting you here. Sorry, but again, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Everyone has their preference, but I have seen a great amount of people tend to gravitate to the smaller, um, charming homes, the, the smaller, still architecturally um, relevant, but not ostentatious. Hmm. Interesting. Um, in terms of the, the, the saying, um, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, um, oftentimes, you know, in most of the episodes that we have, we kind of talk a little bit about um, the, what, what society thinks of these proverbs because some of them we feel like are more accepted and others seem to be kind of rejected by society, even if they do contain wisdom in them. Um, I kind of wanted to get your, your thoughts on both your thoughts on, um, what, what does society think about this one? Does it think that, uh, everyone's preferences are different? Does, does it recognize any kind of universality in, in, um, uh, in beauty or, or what are your thoughts? Well, it's interesting. Um, I think everyone, likes to say, oh yeah, we acknowledge that everyone sees beauty differently, but I don't know that everybody accepts that, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a a particular um, um, Instagram 
follow or I follow a, a certain Instagram post and uh, it, they're out of San Francisco and they show some of these gorgeous old homes and then a flipper will come in and we all just go, ugh. And yet some people will say, because they turn everything white, everything's white, all the woods painted white and we're just dying, you know, and a couple of people will come in and say, oh, I love it. It's so clean. And the rest of us are going, shoot us in the head. We, they've ruined it. You know? <laughs> so definitely beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but I, I don't, a lot of us don't agree with <laughs> what some other people think is beautiful. Yeah. I imagine there's, there's a lot of, uh, um, strong feelings in, in Instagram comments about what, what makes for, for a beautiful home. Well, if you have preservationists, you got to watch what you do because they will be on, <laughs> on you in a miss. Like what you ruined it, you know, but, uh, if you're not a preservationist, you don't care about the, the original style, you know, then you might like it. It seems to me that this, this proverb is fairly well accepted, almost to a fault, I think. I think sometimes people might take it so far that they think that all beauty is just completely subjective all the time. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, you know, as we've talked about, I don't think that's accurate. I think there's, there's, some, there's some objectively beautiful concepts and principles, if not, you know, one particular house or, or, or object. But, but yeah, I think uh, for some reason, society tends to be kind of almost allergic to anything that, uh, any kind of universal truth. We're so, uh, when we've talked about the kind of the hyper individualism where everything's somebody's own opinion and your opinion is this and that and the other versus, you know, this is, this is like a standard of beauty. This is that's universal across cultures, across, you know, uh, peoples and different architectural styles use some of these same these same methods. So I, I, that's, that's kind of what comes to mind when I, when I think about society's view of this, of this proverb. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you there. And uh, yeah. And I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know that we've, we've really nailed down what, what that is uh, about people's, you know, being allergic to that, that concept, whether it's, um, you know, there, there's a certain amount of, of needing to, to recognize the flaws in yourself when you're, when you're looking at something, uh, you know, an, an ideal standard, right? Like an mm. ideal beauty yeah. that, that necessarily highlights shortcomings in yourself, a lot of which you have no control over, right? That mm-hmm. where you, where you fall short. So no one, no one likes to feel that way. So I think that's probably part of it. That's you know, a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. With regard to architecture, I think things that are lasting, I think, tend to, and I, I shouldn't say this because there are people that will just say, just knock the place down and start over again. But, you know, with those classical places, those lasting places, those are the ones that I think many, I don't want, I guess I shouldn't say most people, but at least in my circle, most people are, are like, that's what we love. You know, even if it's not extraordinarily ornate, if it's just, it's a, it's a something that's been around, it's the historical aspect of it, the historical mm-hmm. relevance. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I, I, I think, um, well, anything that's kind of, you know, maybe it's the impermanence of the, of the, the structures that we build now is there's something about that, that we find distasteful and, and ugly. You threw some, you threw something together as quick as you can with, with, with two by fours. 
versus something made out of granite. And and even if it's a very simple style, but it's a granite building, it's like, whoa, that thing's here and it's and it's it's gonna last and, and it's not going anywhere. Um is and and it seems pretty clear to me that all human beings kind of are drawn to that, but does that have, is that related to beauty you think, or is it something else? Well, I was just thinking as Americans, we are a throwaway society. You mm-hmm. know, we just, it's like, Oh, we don't like it. Toss it, you know, where it's repurposed and refigured. So is it, is it beauty or is it just, um, what's the word? Perhaps, like you say, perhaps it's not beauty, but it's just the the importance of the item itself. You know, how much mm-hmm. importance do you put on it? Is it something that's valuable to you? Is it something that's, you know, important to you? Mm-hmm. There's a certain beauty in just having value in something, you know, personal value in it. Mm. No, yeah, I think you're right. Um, and, and maybe that is beauty. And, and maybe that does get into kind of where it's in the eye of the beholder. Um, if you think of a relationship with, you know, two old people that have, you know, been around forever, maybe, maybe neither of them are as beautiful as they, if as they once were, but they're valuable still. And so, and so they're beautiful to each other. And, and, and this can, this can still, you know, I think this can be the case with, with, with buildings. If you see a building, even if it's just an old courthouse and it's not especially ornate, but you know, it's been there and your great, great grandparents walked through the down the street with that, that same courthouse there, it, uh, it, it, it makes it beautiful in a way, um, that's a little bit different than just the, than just the visual appeal of it. If that makes any sense, there's, there's something more to the beauty and, and it's something a little bit deeper than just the surface level. Yeah. You touch an, uh, some meaning to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Agree. And, and meaning, meaning is lasting, right? And so, you can't have meaning that that, that that flits and comes and goes. And so I think that's, that's part of the reason these permanent buildings tend to see, tend to seem more meaningful. There's something, it's almost an honor. It's almost, you know, it's something that's honorable because mm. it's been around so long, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to say, and I don't know if you want to put this in. Um, I mentioned before about Princeton University, but they talk about structural art there. But it was interesting. I thought, well, it's just going to be beautiful architecture, right? And they said, no, to be considered structural art, at least in the architectural world, designs have to be have three E's, efficiency, economy, and elegance. I thought that was kind of interesting. So it can't be art in the architectural world unless it's also efficient and economic and, mm. you know, and elegant. So interesting. I wouldn't have thought the efficient, um, you know, because a, a, a spiral staircase may not be as efficient to build as a straight one, but, uh, it, I, it's more beautiful. Well, that's, this is the 21st century Princeton university take. on. Oh it. yeah. What do they know? Yeah. 21st century. <laughs> they lost the plot a long time ago. It's the modern take on it. So I'm sure, I'm sure efficiency wasn't, uh, wasn't on the books 200 years ago. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, this has been really interesting and, and really appreciate you coming on and, and, uh, you want to plug your, your Instagram one more time so people know where to find you. Sure. I'm digs and dwellings again, digs underscore and underscore dwellings. And 
I'd love to see y'all there. And you can find also the hashtag dwelling of faith. If you want to find some cool old churches, you do those on Sundays, right? Yep. Yep. Beautiful old churches. Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It was really great. And thanks for, for you, to you as well, Andrew. And thank you to all of our listeners. We will have another episode for you up again next week as always. And we will see you guys next time. Thanks. All right. Thank you. We'll see you. Bye. There are only four things certain since social progress began. That the dog returns to his vomit. That the sow returns to her mire. And the burnt fool's bandaged finger goes wobbling back to the fire. And that after this is accomplished, and the brave new world begins, when all men are paid for existing, and no man must pay for his sin, as surely as water will wet us, as surely as fire will burn, the gods of the copybook idiots, with terror and slaughter return.